0: Hi there, the following episode is brought to us by March and Ash, a customer-focused, licensed cannabis dispensary that believes everyone deserves a comfortable, safe, and confident cannabis experience located in Mission Valley, Vista in the San Diego County area, as well as Imperial County and online at Marchandash.com, offering a premier delivery service. We also want to thank our friends at Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. The easiest way to buy Mexican auto insurance, purchase and print out your Mexican insurance policy from their easy to use website, which you can find at BajaBound.com.
1: The Kintori Show. Show.
0: All right, thanks for joining us here. Today, we are talking to uh, one of the co founders of Boochcraft. This is a uh, this is a big deal for me. I love the booch. I am so down with the booch. It's not even funny. I was so excited. Uh, Excuse me, that's the boochcraft. When <laughs> the uh, folks at boochcraft followed me on Twitter, I was like, "What?" Because I'm not on Twitter as much, and I was so excited because I love the boochcraft and uh, Adam. Their co-founder stopped by, and uh, we had a nice chat, a really awesome chat. Great dude. In the middle of this crazy fast, we get into that, as well as uh, what Boochcraft is all about. I've I've loved kombucha. I kind of said that weird. I've loved kombucha, that sounds better, for quite some time. And now this uh, hard kombucha, which uh, infuses alcohol, you know, obviously, hence the why it's hard, into the mix. And uh, they launched in 2016. And um, it's not high alcohol content, which is why I like it. And you also get uh, some great health benefits from it. The company is a proud member of the 1% for the Planet, which donates a percentage of gross sales to nonprofits that promote sustainable food systems. And they also co-founded a program called Farm to Families, which is pretty awesome. And you can find that at uh, wildwillowfarm.org. How about that? So uh, thanks for checking this out. I do want to uh, thank, we've got some patrons. We just started a Patreon with this. You can find it. Actually, there's links. I've got a cantoryshow.com going and uh, Meryl will be on the, uh, the next show. She's actually in Los Angeles. She had a big stand-up show last night. I'm so proud of her. And uh, she'll be with us next week as we make this a more regular thing. There's a lot going on that we'll be able to kind of fill you in on in the weeks to come. In the interim, great way to support is by subscribing to this podcast. If you'd like uh, to support on the Patreon, please do so. We have a gold circle there, which is pretty awesome. And part of the Gold Circle, well, you get shout-outs, and I thought I would give a few right now as I fire up the Patreon. And, again, there's links on, on, the, uh, on the webpage and uh, I think in my socials as well. But I do want to thank Leighton Worthy for being a member of the Gold Circle. We appreciate you, Leighton, along with Veronica Baez. You're the awesomest. <laughs> and uh, Forrest Henderson, Those are our three Gold Circle members here on the Cantori Show, the Secret Society as we like to call them. And also thank you to Mariposa Ice Cream, who is an official sponsor of the show based on their their support. And uh, locations all over town, uh, primarily home base in Normal Heights, Adams Avenue. But uh, you can also find Mariposa up in Oceanside, uh, the Temecula Murrieta area, and it's just the best homemade ice cream on the planet and a huge supporter of what we're doing here. So thank you. And let's sit down with Adam from Boochcraft and start off with, uh, well, this fast he's on and then we'll talk about the kombucha, the hard kombucha. Check the mic.
1: One, two. One, two.
0: The Cantori Show. Cantori Show. Yes, yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, we got so many nice comments, people just telling us how much we mean to them, which means the world to us. It brought I, you to tears. It brought me to tears, and I cried and made a video out of it, and then I got distracted by how my cleavage looked in that video. Cantori. I didn't notice that. And I saw the, the mascara running. Yeah. And then you always do this thing where you put your hand on the side of your face. Really? Yeah, you I didn't put your notice hand that. on the side of your face, when you're really going to get serious or emotional like I'm doing right now. Oh my gosh. So tell me about this water fast you're on.
1: Uh, It's a five-day water fast. Um, uh, I stopped eating Monday morning, didn't eat after Sunday dinner, and I'll start eating again like Friday night.
0: How often are you uh, doing this or have you done this in the past?
1: I do it about once a quarter. I've done it a couple times in the past.
0: Once a quarter? Yeah. That takes a uh, level of discipline I'm not sure that I have. Tell me about it. How do you prepare for
1: it? Uh, Really just eat really clean food, kind of going into it um make sure i drink a bunch of make sure one that i don't have anything scheduled that would be around tempting food right so make sure i'm scheduling it in a time when i don't have you know dinner meetings and or lunch meetings and things like that and um yeah just uh drink really good quality water put a little salt in the water uh some himalayan uh, pink salt and then um still do my normal exercise regimen still do all the things don't don't really do anything yeah
0: so you're still doing you're you're like what- running doing cardio and just on water
1: circuit workouts handstands acrobatics i I have an interesting workout regimen so that's a side story
0: and and there's no protein involved and and i i just can't well keep in mind i'm a fat dude i can't imagine (laughs) i i mean i'm sure i could if i had to but why why do you can you explain it a little bit
1: yeah so uh your body goes into ketosis Starts eating fat, Um, and whether or not you want to lose fat weight or not, your body starts training itself on how to eat fat, and it starts going into a a form of autophagy. So you start kind of eating yourself, but your body is not this. It it, it's discriminating against like the good cells versus the bad cells. So you start getting rid of waste cells and clearing up inflammation if you have any joint stuff going on. Um, And you also train your body on how to eat healthy fat, so that if you want to fuel yourself in the future. With healthy fats versus sugar, your body starts to get trained on how to go into ketosis.
0: Yeah, and I've and I've you know heard of the keto diet. Yeah. St- now, is that something that you practice when you're not fasting, or no? no I don't no. do the keto diet. I do
1: intermittent fasting, which will take you into ketosis, like right. on a daily basis if you do it, you know, for a long enough time. Uh, but I'm not super. I'm not really religious about the intermittent fasting. I kind of do it when it's convenient. Sure. And then the the kind of quarterly, you know, longer water fest. It's wow, fascinating,. Yeah. Tell me a
0: little bit about your history. so uh, where where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school?
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm from originally from Richmond, Virginia. Okay, and I've moved I moved out to California fifteen years ago. I went to South Carolina for undergrad and then moved here pretty much right after that. I moved to D.C. for a short stint, realized that I didn't want to leave in D.C. pretty quickly and then right to San Diego. Right. Um, my sister and I moved out. And I kind of threw all our stuff in our car and moved out together. Okay. her husband is my business partner in Butchcraft, so it's been a nice Oh, that's awesome. You get to keep there. it
0: in the family. Yeah. And uh, when you first got to town, did you get right into the restaurant industry? or?
1: No, actually, I was in the mortgage industry for three years. Developed like an online kind of next generation mortgage business, and then when the crash happened, there was just no business for anyone. Got out, started a catering company, uh, an organic farm-to-table catering company, and then with that same business partner, started a Local Habit, a restaurant. And, right. Um, we were doing catering all over Southern California. Opened a branch in D.C. Uh, kind of bringing farm-to-table catering to the to the East Coast. And then when we started Boochcraft, I exited that company and focused primarily on Boochcraft. So. Got it. Did you,
0: have you always had this entrepreneurial spirit about you?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I was always like wheeling and dealing. I was managing a <laughs> valet company in college. and different. Managing like a like what? That. Managing a valet service in college. That's awesome. Yeah. So I kind of always had that, that wheel. I, I got uh, suckered into uh, a multi-level marketing scheme right after college and it only took one of those to know that I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I get that.
0: That was yeah. me in the mortgage industry. Yeah. Funny enough, I worked in it for a year, but oh, not nice. on the same. I was doing like a loan, uh, loan processing, yep. quality control, yep. that sort of stuff. And funny enough, I worked in the in the valet game for a while myself. Nice down here, Sunset Valet.
1: Oh yeah, I know Sunset. <laughs> yeah, I started a valet company in PB as well uh, for the Miller Enterprises Group for. Tower twenty three, it was Moon Doggies at the time. Oh yeah, Brett. PB Bar and Grill, Brett. Of course. Yeah. So I started his valet service when they kicked off Tower Twenty Three and then I I passed that on when I went back.
0: And from- so you've always been moving. Yeah. I love that. And are you a uh without getting too personal single dude?
1: Uh, no, currently I, I have a girlfriend. I have okay. Plenty, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we live uh together. you live together, kind right? We have a community house vibe. So we we garden, we have chickens, we grow food, we kind of like have a little community you know, intentional community.
0: And and what do you love most about San Diego?
1: Oh man, the weather, the ocean, surfing. And also there's something about San Diego that's got an entrepreneurial kind of spirit. There's a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs here. So it's been really helpful developing my businesses in a town that's really supportive and entrepreneurial. That's good
0: to hear because I'm starting my own and I'll probably need that same type of support. Yeah, yeah. good to know. Yeah. So Boochcraft, how did this all start?
1: So we started back, uh, the idea was in 2014. Um, I had sold kombucha in my restaurant. It was called Local Habit. I'm not sure if you ever went there in Yes. Yes. Um, so I was one of the founders of that restaurant. I was making kombucha at home, and I started making it at the restaurant, serving it on tap. And I just saw the demand for kombucha. It was insane. People were coming in just for kombucha, you know, um, and filling up growlers and taking them with them. So fast forward a couple of years, we sold the restaurant, and I pitched the idea of a kombucha brewery to my buddy Todd, he was like as fired up about it as I was. And I was like, okay, we need my brother-in-law to be involved, Andrew. So Andrew got in, and Andrew was a mad scientist, beer brewer, distilling his beers, making whiskey, you know, making ciders, you know, homemade wines and things like that. So he came in after a couple months, he pitched the idea to raise the alcohol up to a higher level to make hard kombucha. Got it. And no one was doing it at the time. We had never seen it in the market. I had never heard of it until and, yeah, so we just we started running with that idea. And as soon as that, we shifted the conversation to hard kombucha, grocery store buyers, distributors, everyone's eyes were lighting up like, yeah, we want that. So that kind of shifted the whole sure. conversation.
0: Now part of my ignorance, cause I know that you know, I, I've been drinking kombucha a, a, for a while and I always know it had a little bit of alcohol in it. So what is the process of boosting that alcohol level up?
1: So we make regular kombucha first, uh, just like any other kombucha brewery typically would. And then we uh, pitch a different yeast, like a brewer's yeast, as well as more cane sugar. And we ferment away that cane sugar, which uh, ferments the alcohol right into the kombucha. Okay. We end up at 7% alcohol or just a little bit above, but then we add uh, fresh-pressed juice that we make in-house as well. So we're basically like a full juicery as well as a brewery. And then it, the juice kind of dilutes the alcohol back to 7%.
0: I see. yeah. and that's that's always the magic number it seems, seven percent, right. So
1: far, yeah, we're always making everything at seven. We've made a couple keg only batches that we've done at like eight point five and stuff, but all of our packaged stuff's at seven percent. right and, now.
0: and why is that?
1: We wanted to make it, like, give people a little bit more bang for the buck and give them, you know, like, you don't necessarily want to drink 10 kombuchas. Right. <laughs> so it's not, you know, so we, we were trying to make it something where you could just drink one and feel good and feel good about the quantity that you're drinking as well as, like, actually get a buzz. I mean, that's the whole point. It was all right. like kombucha. So, yeah, we, we wanted to kind of mimic, like, the IPA kind of range. It's what people were accustomed to in California, so that's kind of what we targeted there.
0: And did it? Uh, it all started here in San Diego—the whole yeah. hard kombucha market, correct? Yeah, Based ocean on beach, your beach. entry. Yeah. Mission Beach.
1: Ocean Beach. Yeah. Oh, Ocean Beach. Yeah. Okay. Our brewery's in Chula Vista, but the three of us were all living in an Ocean Beach at the time when we started, and I've—I'm I've, still in Ocean Beach as well as Andrew.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and were you actually? Making it and bottling it no be at one point in the early, yeah. early stages or
1: Yeah, no, we never like bottled it in OB, <laughs> but we were definitely experimenting in our garages right. and it be like the original scobies were being grown in my house and Andrew was like creating the recipe and formula for how to make it and it took a lot, like over a year, almost two years of experimentation. To really, I can't
0: imagine. It. Yeah, take me yeah. through that process if you don't mind. That's why I was curious. So you're in. You, it's just a lab, and you guys are just having your friends taste it and yeah, test it. Totally. And what were some of those early batches like that didn't make the cut?
1: So we were making. So Andrew was particularly was making. We uh, had hundreds of different fermentations going. He was testing different yeast. He was tef- testing different sugar additions. You know, so just the kind of the base kombucha, then the hard kombucha the base hard kombucha recipe that took a long time to perfect Um, and then from there was all the different juice additives and the uh, you know like fresh pressing juice on a little home juicer and then putting that in and then like adding herbs and it's is it a cold steep on the herb but do you put a is it a hot steep on the herb and then add it later so so many different like experimentations and in the early days, we were making both regular kombucha and hard kombucha, and we were planning on kind of launching with both. And then got it. when the conversation shifted to, to hard kombucha, we kind of focused on that. So, I mean, Andrew was like literally in his garage day in and day out just experimenting. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. And uh, when you first entered the market, what was the initial reaction?
1: It was really positive. We one we had Stone distributing distributing for us. Oh, I didn't know so that. So we right out of the gates we were distributing with Stone. So we had like I think the first week we had a hundred accounts. Yeah. Just like putting it there was so much pent up demand for it when we finally got it to Stone and they started distributing, it was just like boom. It's insane. Accounts. Um and we steadily grew from there and it was just like we could never keep up with demand. Really? Since on, yeah.
0: since day one.
1: Yeah. Now we have built out a really big facility, so we're expanding geographically and we're expanding in San Diego. And so now we actually do have more capacity. We've just built out a, you know, a 10 X expansion on our capacity. Dang. Um, so now we have a hundred thousand barrel capacity, uh, which is just finished up. Um, so now we have, we have extra room for, we're not cutting orders anymore and we we're kind of past that time. Sure. But for the first two or three years, we were pretty much cutting orders from day one.
0: And, and when you say stones, uh, stones distributing, does that also mean that they, uh, Guide you as far as some of your decisions and your expansion, because they expanded so brilliantly in their early days.
1: Yeah, I mean, early on, they were doing. They were a big part of our uh, of guiding us. And actually, the the guy Chad Heath, who brought us on, who's no longer with Stone, he's with Carl Strauss now. He's on a, our advisory board. He's okay. He's one of our key advisors, and so he's been in, in the industry for years and used to run Stone's distribution. Company. Sure. Now he's running Carl Strauss's. That's amazing. Uh,
0: and, and tell me about, here's one thing I wanted to ask as it relates to I know that non-alcoholic or low-alcohol kombucha has you know, all these incredible benefits when it comes to gut health. Does hard kombucha have the same benefits?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely can. Obviously, there's a limit to how much alcohol you should drink. Right, yeah. Just as far, of,
0: as far as w- the benefits you get yeah. from regular kombucha, are you getting that from... I don't know if that's a stupid question. No, it's not. I but mean, so uh, from hard kombucha, think
1: that the probiotics and the bacteria are going to be killed by the alcohol. That's yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Alcohol is actually the food for the probiotics and the bacteria. So the bacteria, the way kombucha works, is yeast eats sugar and makes alcohol, and bacteria eats alcohol and makes um, acetic acid and different acids and sure. probiotics. Uh, similar to vinegar production, they make alcohol and they throw an acetobacter in there and then they make vinegar with the alcohol. So same for kombucha. And so different bacteria are um, survive and thrive in different levels of alcohol. So you could list, pull up a whole list of different, you know, bacteria, and they would show you kind of what their alcohol tolerance is. Got it. Most of them are up to like 15 or 20%. Wow. So as long as you're not fermenting all the way up to like right. 15, Beyond 20%, that, then you're you good. You start killing off the bacteria.
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: and some will die off around eight or nine. So we're at seven. We're pretty safe with almost every bacteria.
0: And so how much of your market is in the, the cans and the bottles that we see around versus taps at bars and what have you?
1: We're like 80-20 uh, to 70-30. We'd like to be at 70-30, uh, and we're moving towards that. In the beginning, we were at around 80-20, so a lot of package and a lot of grocery stores and you know right. convenience stores. We're pushing more and more on-premise.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that lately. Yeah. That's why I was wondering, yeah. because I find myself as a consumer, and that's you know why I was so excited to have you on here and have wanted to talk to you for quite some time, because you, your company, essentially got me off beer. And for years, mm-hmm. you know, I was part of that, that prime IPA, mm-hmm. you just, you know, support your local. And I'm all about supporting your local brewer and that'll never mm-hmm. leave me. But I just, through time, really fe- watched myself peel off of beer and go solely to your product. And it happened, pardon the expression, but very organically. Yeah. Is, is that also something you've noticed as a behavioral pattern for your consumer?
1: Yeah, I mean the same happened for me. I used to own a craft beer bar called a local hub and now I'm right. you know, I don't drink beer anymore. I only really drink our our kombucha. <laughs> so um an occasional like a little tequila or something, but um yeah, I, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people there transitioning off of beer or wine fully. I see, we see a lot of people there kind of still doing both and just bouncing back and forth and they like a hard kombucha for some, you know, scenarios and then maybe beer or wine for another. Right. And then some people that weren't drinking not because they didn't want to drink, just because they couldn't find an option that was good for them that they liked, sure. and then they've come back into drinking a little bit through bootcraft and a lot of celiacs and gluten free gluten intolerant people as well, so yeah, you kind of get a big mix of people and um we yeah. love the beer drinkers that drank the bootcraft occasionally because they go spread the word to the other beer sure. drinkers whereas like you know, you're only bootstrapped drinkers. there are not. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a small them. niche. Like, oh, I don't trust you. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you don't drink beer, so.
0: I get it. Yeah. It's interesting though, too, because I i was just uh, at a dinner with my wife recently. She's a big wine drinker. I don't drink wine. And we were at some tremendous Thai restaurant down in Point Loma. It's escaping yeah. me right now.
1: But, Sipani, is that the one? Yes. Yeah, that place is amazing. Holy shit. Yeah, oh my
0: God. Incredible. Holy cow. Yeah. But I got the drink menu and I ordered uh, one of your, a Craft right off their menu and it came like a glass of wine yeah. and it complimented my meal. Yeah. I was like, I am so in and it's just taken hold of my life in a great way. I
1: appreciate that. I,
0: I mean that. And what's next for Boochcraft? Where do you see you guys going?
1: Uh, so we've just built out an innovation department. So we're working on a lot of new flavors, recipes, uh, even different kind of product lines that are in the works. That we can't quite release yet. Sure, but we're, we're definitely coming out with some new stuff. And is that uh, the one based down in South Bay? You were Columbus saying city. down in Chula. Okay. So our original brewery was 5,000 square feet. We moved into a 20,000 square foot facility in the same parking lot. Got it. And now we've turned the 5,000 square foot facility into an innovation. How amazing! It's so, a so full we've hub. Got or... Scientists and Andrew are all working together, and brewers are working together to be basically create new product lines, new flavors, new ways of doing things. Yeah. How
0: many flavors do you have out in the market right now?
1: we currently have like six or seven, depending on when you cross over into a seasonal, but we're releasing like, I think 20 something new flavors between keg only tap room only. We're going to be opening some tap rooms this year. Um, and as well as then new, like seasonals for package and can only, and we're, we're releasing, a new package formats. And so a lot of new stuff is coming this year.
0: Where do you see the, uh, the tap rooms going here in, obviously in town around the community.
1: Yeah. We've got one planned in Del Mar, up okay. in the Del Mar Highlands uh, shopping center. Sure. Uh, the new construction there. And then we've got another one that can't yet be disclosed, right. but it's going to be uh, more central San Diego. How That's
0: cool is that? Going, yeah. Did you see it going in this direction when you started everything or is yeah. this really, you yeah, did, this is where you saw it.
1: Tap rooms and um, yeah. And, and then, the other side of everything is a big part of my focus is around like farmer relations and our impact strategies so I focus primarily on finding new farmers with cool ingredients and uh, farmers that are farming organically and regeneratively as local as possible as well as doing like nonprofit work and impact strategy through 1% for the planet and different impact projects that we work on.
0: Sure. And how much ha- of the company or how much uh, have you expanded outside of San Diego then?
1: So we're in Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Texas, and we're launching Nevada, Hawaii, um, Idaho, uh, New Mexico this year.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Continued success. Yeah.
1: Check the mic. One, two, one, two.
0: The King Touring Show. Everyone Show. Everybody feel all right? That sounds like our Merrill All Right. Meryl I just heard our, our just past guest just called you a silver fox Cantori. And what was her opening line? She asked if I dyed my hair wow. She's like, do you dye your hair? I'm like, no She's like, that's natural? I was like, just, I thought you dyed it like blonde Oh man You yeah. could have been a hairdresser Maybe just trying to look for business or I mean, no, no, no Let she me have, have this mind. moment, yeah, Meryl Let me have,
1: have my okay, moment
0: Thank you to Adam Heiner Co-founder of Boochcraft, that was a uh, cool sit-down, inspiring, looking uh, forward to, uh, well, seeing what Boochcraft, they've got a lot going on, but I'm looking forward to seeing the rollout here in the next couple. They're doing great things, the whole crew, Andrew, Todd, everybody, and uh, maybe I'll check out the facility sometime in Chula and get back to you. All right, that does it for this episode, Cantori Show, rebranded, what? Again, for the, like, 20th time, I'm sorry, but that's life, right? Change. Got to roll with it. All right. Until the next one. I love you. This is Valentine's. I'm actually recording this on Valentine's Day and pushing it out on V-Day, so happy Valentine's Day. Let love conquer all. Love rules. It really does.